0: has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains.
1: Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief, We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain.
0: Welcome to the show. When medicines, nerve blocks, and complementary and alternative medicine therapies just don't bring enough relief, electrical stimulation of the brain may be a way out. This is known as motor cortex stimulation. A neurosurgeon back in the 1930s discovered that tiny electrical pulses applied to part of the brain involved with voluntary movements, called the motor cortex, produced pain relief. The device paces abnormal signals in the brain that lead to pain. It's sort of like a heart pacemaker that regulates abnormal heartbeats. Tiny electrodes are surgically placed on top of the motor cortex and then connected to a wire that travels under the skin, down the side of the neck, and then to a battery implanted beneath the collarbone. Although not approved by the Food and Drug Administration for pain control, this treatment is particularly promising for unyielding facial pain from the trigeminal nerve and pain following a stroke. Our first guest, Tracy Zapola, endured unbearable right-sided burning and stabbing pain from her chin all the way down to her foot following a spinal cord hemorrhage. Motor cortex stimulation dramatically changed her life, though. And then Dr. Alon Mogilner, director of the Center for Neuromodulation at the New York University Langone Medical Center, describes the true benefit of this untapped therapy for pain
1: relief. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma. Teva Pharmaceuticals, Atlantis Health Group, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulcristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com.
0: Tracy Zappola was a practicing attorney in New York City until a spinal cord hemorrhage in her neck left her with excruciating pain down the right side of her body. She only found relief after a motor cortex stimulator was implanted. Let's find out what happened and how she's doing today. Tracy, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Take us back to the day your spinal cord was injured. What what happened?
2: I was scheduled for a cervical facet injection. Uh, This was the third of the series. I was only told to have two, but they brought me in for a third procedure. Uh I had an injection under a guided fluoroscopy in the hospital, and the doctor did a cervical facet, right-sided facet injection at C2 and went straight through my cord, Mm. giving me the injection on my left side. I hemorrhaged in the paracentral spinal cord from C2 to C7.
0: I'm really sorry to hear that. The cervical facets are in the neck and they stabilize the spine at that level. You had injections then to block the nerves that supply sensation to those joints to help reduce pain. And Tracy, I'm curious, what kind of pain were they trying to reduce?
2: I was initially going for headaches, no pain. I never had pain. I just had headaches.
0: Okay. Uh, So you then had a bleed within the substance of the spinal cord from the level C2 down to C7. Yeah. What did it feel like when that needle uh, actually went into the cord, Tracy?
2: I didn't have pain initially, but as everything started wearing off, Uh I had excruciating pain in between my middle finger and my next finger mm. and in my clavicle yeah. and like stabbing pain. And now it is almost as though from my chin to my foot on my right side, like I'm lit on fire.
0: Boy, I mean, it sounds unbearable. Did you have any weakness or, or paralysis on uh, one, uh, one side of your body?
2: I woke up with the doctor leaning in my face, telling me, raise my hand. And I was trying to wake up. And when I realized I couldn't raise my hand, I used my left hand to raise it. Yeah. And then within the week, I started dragging my leg, Mm. and the injury is to my whole right side. It was the nova stroke,
0: Mm. a right side stroke. Wow. You you then had an MRI of your neck, which showed a hemorrhage or a bleed in the spinal cord. What did your doctor say?
2: Initially, the doctor said, a couple of weeks, and I'll regain the use of my arm. When I started complaining of pain, he said he may have hit the median nerve, Uh and that could be a couple of months. So I was... Shocked. Really shocked.
0: Oh, I I bet. Uh, Tracy, do you still have uh, headaches?
2: I do still have headaches. Uh, I'd go back to the headaches I had originally in a minute. I sit in the dark. I can't even talk. If Mm. I talk myself, I'll make
0: myself sick. It's
2: a migraine times about 200.
0: (laughs) I I really don't know how you endured that. What was life like for you before this event occurred? I mean, were you working? Uh, Do you have a family?
2: I'm a mom of four. Uh, My children were young when it happened. My youngest was... Five. I had 5, 7, 11, and 13 when wow. it initially happened. Um, I'm an attorney, so I was practicing um, in my own office. Uh, I was teaching adjunct at a college a couple of nights a week. Uh, I was pretty busy.
0: Wow. Well, it, it sounds like you were. You really did lead an active life. How has the pain affected your life and your ability to do those things that make life worth living?
2: Uh, tremendous. So I had no quality of life for the first probably two years. Wow. I've regained a lot back, uh-huh. but there is many things I still, I've still missed. Family vacations, uh, just a walk in the mall is a project. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, many, many things have changed for me. I, I can't sit for a prolonged time, stand for a prolonged time.
0: I understand, because patients of mine will say the same thing, that pain has robbed them of the life they once had. Now, we talked earlier, though, that you have found treatments to be helpful. Uh, dilated pills, uh, a pain pump that contains Dilaudid, uh, a fentanyl patch that you find effective for your headaches and a Lyrica or another word for that is pregabalin that's used for your nerve pain and prayer has made a difference in your life too. Tracy, I have patients who feel that their pain is a curse from God and when we come back from the break I'd like to know what your perspective is on that. I'm Dr. Paul Christo and you're listening to Aches and Gains.
1: Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Teva is a leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high quality healthcare by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Atlantis Health Group. Atlantis is a comprehensive multi specialty physician group committed to enhancing the quality and process of healthcare delivery across the country. Visit AtlantisHG.com. And we're back.
0: Uh, Tracy, what is your perspective on whether what happened to you and your pain is a curse from God?
2: I actually believe this whole thing happened for a reason, and I find that many people tell me the same thing. If it happened to someone else, the outcome might have been different. Yeah. I feel like it happened to me because I could handle it. I really, hmm. And I, I think it was God's way of telling me to slow down a little bit. I wasn't really enjoying what I had in front of me, my family, my kids. and taking it slow. I was 24-7, working, you know, chasing the mighty dollar, and I kind of watched things that were a little more important pass by and miss things. So somehow I think it was my way of being told to slow down.
0: It sounds like you have an extraordinary degree of spiritual acceptance of the event, I mean, that, that most people simply would not have. Yes. But did you ever lose hope? Yes, I
2: actually gave up in the beginning and said, this wasn't really living, this was just existing, and I right. didn't want to do this anymore. Right. So I went through about six months of really great depression and a hard time, and mm. didn't want to get out of bed. I would put the kids to school, come back in and just go back to bed and get back up when they came home, and that was it. That was my day.
0: Well, wow, I mean, it, it sounds awful, and I can imagine how isolating and really tormenting that, that was for you. Did you ever contemplate suicide?
2: I did. I did. Sadly, I did. Yeah. Um, my doctors thought it was coming. My doctors called and followed. Um, they had a similar type case where the injury was just about the same. Yeah. So I would get regular calls from my doctors making sure I was okay.
0: That's good to hear, and I'm really glad that you didn't follow through with it. Tracy, tell us now about how you found out about motor cortex stimulation.
2: I was treating with a doctor local to my home in Babylon, who was trying to suggest an occipital stimulator to me because of the headaches when he said I would need a stimulator in my head. So I came home and researched and I found the motor cortex stimulator and the deep brain stimulation. So then I began researching doctors who do the procedure and I sent my records ahead to uh, many places until I ended up having the procedure.
0: You really illustrate the importance of doing your own research and being your own advocate, and I've heard that time and time again from guests on the show. What made you a candidate or a good candidate for motor cortex stimulation?
2: Thank God my surgeon decided that he would take me on. There were other doctors before him who told me they would not do it for me.
0: Yeah. Now, the motor cortex stimulator is promising for certain pain conditions, one of which is called trigeminal neuropathic pain, which is pain due to the trigeminal nerve, which is in the face. And the second condition for which it's promising is for pain following strokes. In your case, though, they, they were considering motor cortex stimulation to help treat your one-sided body pain following the spinal cord injury. And Tracy, why do they feel that it would be particularly helpful in your case? I
2: had uh, the similar symptoms. If I was sitting motionless by myself, I had the right side shaking, Um, The tremors I had, all of the symptoms that the pain that radiated, the idea of the stimulator was to block the pain at the brain and stop it. I had tried spinal cord stimulation first. And I, it didn't afford me any
0: relief. What you mentioned is pretty accurate. I mean, the device is, is used to pace abnormal signals in the brain that lead to pain. And we'll talk more about the theory behind how it actually works with our next guest, Dr. gilner Tracy, can you describe the device that was implanted? What
2: this is, is a motor cortex stimulator. It is implanted on the brain. On, mm-hmm. It does not penetrate the brain. It's on top of the motor cortex. Right. And it sends out a signal Um, Most people can control their settings because of my injury. I don't because I go into grand mal seizures, but um, I do have remotes that control them Uh and I have charges. I don't feel the pulsing or anything at all, which is phenomenal. And it is blocking the pain and it stops the tremors. It stops my face is not drooped. It it Mm -hmm. stops. The I can use my right hand, I can walk, I can do all the things I couldn't do before.
0: Wow, that, that really is sensational. The motor cortex is that part of the brain involved with planning, control, and execution of voluntary movements. And the electrode, which is part of the motor cortex stimulator, is placed on that part of the brain to produce pain relief. Join us for part two when Tracy takes us into the operating room during the actual placement of the stimulator. Up next is Dr. Alon Mogilner, neurosurgeon and director of the Center for Neuromodulation at the New York University Langone Medical Center. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains.
1: Aches and Gains is supported by Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on health care and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain.
0: Welcome back. Dr. Alon Mogilner is the director of the Center for Neuromodulation at the New York University Langone Medical Center. He's an associate professor of neurosurgery at the New York University School of Medicine and has presented clinical research both nationally and internationally. Dr. Mogilner, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Would it be accurate to think of motor cortex stimulation as as a pain pacemaker for the brain? Definitely. It's a way of rewiring
3: the brain to rid the brain of the pain signals and replace
0: them with something else. Right. You know, I view it as a device that paces, like a heart pacemaker, uh, if you will, the abnormal brain signals that lead to pain.
3: I would, I would agree, exactly. The idea is and it's a system-wide problem. Signals that were normally sent or normally sent as a message, let's say, for acute pain to prevent yourself from doing something have been miswired and rewired. Yeah. And the only way to change them, or to stop them is to send different
0: signals which would more or less block it or mask it or change the perception. Exactly. And alone, why is motor cortex stimulation not approved by the FDA for pain control?
3: The reason it's not approved is because the FDA does not believe that there's enough data
0: to show that it's effective. Right. There are many case series, which are certain types of studies, that have been published on the use of motor cortex stimulation for pain, but no randomized controlled trials, which are considered the gold standard for proving something that have been done to confirm its effectiveness. But, but, alone, what do you believe? I believe that it is effective in a select group of patients. It does not work in everybody. On the other
3: hand, all of the patients that are candidates for motor cortex stimulation are patients who have tried everything else known to modern medicine. Right. But despite that, are left with severe pain, which has destroyed their quality of life. There's really no other way to go. Yeah. So the patients that I refer for it, it probably helps in the order of 40% of people. Again, mm-hmm. it's not a great number, but when you think about these people, these are people that nothing else has worked
0: for. Absolutely. You know, and I wonder whether we should be more enthusiastic about it. I mean, if you look at the studies and you look at some of the literature, it, it indicates that motor cortex stimulation is effective for many patients. Um,
3: I agree. I agree with that. I think. We have come up against a lot of the changes in modern medicine yeah. where particularly for a therapy like this, which is expensive, mm-hmm. we really are at the point where we have to prove it now to insurance payers, the government, and so on. And it's just not, quite frankly, as easy. You know, I started doing this procedure about 15 years ago when I was at it just starting practice. And it was easier then to get approval right. because who is going to turn down brain surgery for someone with chronic pain? <laughs> right. And right now, we do need more data. To, to prove its efficacy. And
0: until that point, it, quite
3: frankly, will be very difficult to get it always approved in the patients that
0: we think need it. Sure. I mean, I, I think it's important to recognize an emerging evidence base, though, for this uh, relatively new therapy for pain, and that the, there's a, also an emerging application of motor cortex stimulation for pain that has evolved Pretty rapidly.
3: Yeah, the technique itself is only about 23 years old. It was first described by a Japanese neurosurgeon. So, at the relative in the field of medicine, it's relatively new. Yeah. But in order to get data that nowadays what they call evidence-based medicine and so on, you need very large-scale studies. They are extremely expensive to run. Right. So, if we have an equipment company that makes the device, let's say Medtronic, to run a study that the FDA would use as validity, probably costs twenty, thirty million dollars just yeah. to run the study. Yeah. So you're at the point it's a huge amount. So the question sure. is if you know, look at it from the finances of that standpoint, how are you gonna do it? You know, what is the patient base? How many people can potentially be helped yeah. and so on. And that's why we're at this point now that it is very
0: difficult to, for it to enter the mainstream. Sure, sure. You know, uh, you mentioned that it's about 23 years old. I think it was in 1991 when we learned that uh, an implanted motor cortex stimulator relieved unyielding pain. And it was pretty fascinating that we also gained an understanding that the motor cortex, that part of the brain that contributes to voluntary movements, can also contribute to neuropathic pain. Uh, Dr. Bogilner, what's the total cost? I mean, what, what's the cost of a motor cortex stimulator? It would probably
3: approach um, eighty to one hundred thousand dollars for the entire thing, which includes the doctor's fees, the
0: anesthesiologist, the hospital fees. So, on the order of on the order of one hundred thousand dollars. Sure. I mean, that's not an insignificant number. Uh, alone, has motor cortex stimulation uh, for chronic pain grown or has it uh, declined over time? Since the
3: nineties, it Had an initial growth over the first decade or so till the early 2000s, and I think right now it has not grown at all. It's probably
0: remained stable or shrunken a little bit. Right. You know, another pain pacemaker for the brain called a deep brain stimulator uses an electrode that's placed in the inner aspect of the brain to produce intractable or unyielding pain. And that's been in use for, I think, over 40 years. And I'm curious, uh, Dr. Mulgilner, is there any benefit uh, that is a better or better pain control with a deep brain stimulator compared to a motor cortex stimulator?
3: if you compare motor cortex stimulation to deep brain stimulation,
0: Mm -hmm. there's no real evidence that one is better than the other. They're both effective in selected patients. And is motor cortex stimulation used in other countries for pain? Yes. In in France, and it's been used a lot in Japan as well. Uh Uh-huh. And in the United States, uh, what is motor cortex stimulation approved by the FDA for?
3: Not approved for anything.
0: Okay. But it is used in the United States to treat unyielding pain without the approval of the Food and Drug Administration. Dr. McGillner, let's talk about when motor cortex stimulation is used. I mean, what types of pain are best treated?
3: The general category is something called central pain. Uh-huh. So that means pain that is related to an injury of the central nervous system, and the central nervous system includes the brain and spinal cord. Pain after a stroke pain after an injury, a spinal cord injury, pain after an injury
0: to the brain. And uh, Alone, how about injury or dysfunction of the trigeminal nerve, which is a three-branch nerve of the face that's responsible for sensation and certain motor functions? So
3: that's the second category. So trigeminal neuropathic pain, so injuries to the trigeminal nerve mm-hmm. in the face that no other treatments can benefit. That is another category where motor cortex stimulation is, is used for.
0: It's interesting because, well, I mean, I see a lot of patients with low back pain and arthritis, and in fact, those are two very common pain conditions in the United States. H- has uh, Do you think motor cortex stimulation might be useful for those conditions? Probably not. No one's ever studied it for low back
3: pain or arthritis, probably because there are a lot of other treatments that work for it. Mm-hmm. I will say that deep brain stimulation years ago was used for people with back pain and actually worked pretty well. However, with the advent and the increase of use of safer techniques like spinal cord stimulation, Uh that really is the primary indication now. So it is very rare that anyone will be at the point that they would need brain surgery or brain stimulation for something like chronic back pain.
0: Sure, we have to take a break, but when we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Mogilner about what makes somebody a good candidate for motor cortex stimulation. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains.
1: For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com.
0: And we're back. Uh, Dr. Mogilner, Are there certain uh, or particular characteristics that uh, would describe the best candidates for motor cortex stimulation? The nature of the pain
3: itself is what's called neuropathic pain, which is a constant burning pain, Uh uh, as opposed to if someone has facial pain, people may be familiar with something called trigeminal neuralgia, which is different. That's an intermittent electrical shock-like pain. Yeah. That is not neuropathic pain. That's neuralgic pain. So it's, it's technically different. Motor cord stimulation doesn't really help that. It doesn't seem to help pain that occurs every so often in, ter- in spasms of pain.
0: That's a good differentiator. Uh, Alone, are there any useful predictors of success? The- Japanese have suggested that a trial
3: of external stimulation, something called transcranial magnetic stimulation, which is a device that you hold over the scalp, Mm -hmm. that may be a predictor of success or the other way around or a predictor of failure. So if you do not have any improvement whatsoever from that, then you shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So some people actually, there are people even in this country who will treat chronic pain with a session of this transcranial. Magnetic stimulation, which is called TMS. Okay. RTMS. R meaning repetitive. Transcranial means through the head, where they put a magnetic coil on the head and they actually stimulate the head or the brain through the skin. I don't use it routinely because I'm not convinced that that really is a predictive factor.
0: Mm-hmm. N- you know, now let's talk about which area of the brain is actually treated with motor cortex stimulation. So the motor
3: cortex is the part of the brain in the back part of your frontal lobe that sends electrical impulses to the spinal cord uh-huh. and to the rest of the body to move different limbs or face and so on, parts of the body. That's called the primary motor cortex. So it's an area that is in the frontal lobe. However, it's the back of the frontal lobe. So if you, drove, if you went straight up above the top of your ear and you went a little bit forward, that's, that's the motor cortex. Now, the way it works is most likely is that the motor cortex first sends its signals to another part of the brain called the thalamus. The thalamus is in the center of the brain. The thalamus then sends different signals to another part called the sensory cortex. So the sensory cortex is believed and thought to be the part of the brain that processes sensations, including pain. Right. And they're a rather simplistic model of it. And let's just say that the sensory cortex has lost its normal function in chronic pain. Uh So the sensory cortex is not doing what it's doing, which is a way to highly selectively discriminate sensations. Okay. The idea is, and the theory is that what, the motor cortex stimulation does is it sends a signal from the motor cortex to the thalamus and then to the sensory cortex and restores something called the inhibitory surround, which means it restores the function of the sensory cortex. Uh So the sensory cortex now is not this diffuse, disorganized pattern of electrical impulses firing all over the place. It restores, let's say, law and order to the sensory cortex. And by that response, it's not processing pain in an abnormal
0: way. Right. The theory is that the stimulator activates the motor portion of the brain called the motor cortex, that then in turn triggers the thalamus, which is the switchboard of information for processing pain, among other things, that's inside the brain. And then from there, inhibits pain sensing nerves in the sensory cortex to reduce pain. Join us for part two of Pacing the Brain for Pain when Tracy describes how dramatically this has changed her life and Dr. Mulgilner takes us into the brain of a patient having a motor cortex stimulator implanted. I'm Dr. Paul Christo
1: and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.